Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are taking a virtual journey to Sydney as we sit down for a enlightening conversation with Dr. Sean Hall. Dr. Sean is a medical researcher, writer, speaker, and futurist. Dr. Hall joins us to delve into the realms of health, lifestyle, and the vital role of nutrition. So welcome, Dr. Sean. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be on your show. Yes, I'm so happy to be in Australia. <laughs> Sorry, it's the winter months. It's a little bit wet here at the moment, um, mm -hmm. but we have a relatively short winter. And um, summer will start to come in about a month. Here is hot. I mean, Spain today. It's hot and humid, so it's quite difficult to walk outside. Dr. Sean, after this long road trip, all the way to Australia. I arrived in the beautiful city of Sydney. And I want to tell you that I've been dreaming of visiting Sydney for a while. Since you live and you were born in Australia, uh, could you tell us what do you enjoy the most about living in this city? Wow. No one's actually ever asked me that before. Mm -hmm. I think... I spent uh, a good 20 years living in what we would call the CBD, the Central Business District, so where the high-rises and, and, and things like that are. But of recent, I've moved out about 20 minutes away from that area um, to the beach. One of the things I've always loved about Sydney is its access to beautiful water, not just beaches. Right, Lots of places have beautiful beaches. But Australia is an island, and Sydney has this uh, majestic harbour through it. It's got some unique architecture that you won't find anywhere else in the world. And you can walk down pretty much any street of inner Sydney and have different meals from different cultures, listen to people speak different languages. And we're small and we're a young city. So it's heavily populated by immigrants. I mean, my mother was Italian. My father was uh, Irish English. And I'd probably have a very similar story to most Australians. You know, we're a young country and uh, we have a lot of land. No one wants to live in the middle of Australia. It's, it's too hot all the time. But we have beautiful coastal areas. Mm -hmm. it makes it makes it very magical. Yeah, now I... I want to go to Sydney next month. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. I'm actually, I'm actually coming up to Italy to speak uh, next month. So yeah. that's the other thing you'll find out about Australians. We do a lot of travel because Australia is so far away from Europe. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, unless we're going to New Zealand, every flight we do is a long-haul flight. So you'll find Australians uh, uh, in comparison to to people of other of other countries are travelers. Exactly. We see Australians all over the place. Also Bali. I saw more Australians in Bali <laughs> than Balinese. <laughs> and you told us that when you left school, you wanted to be the next Stephen Spielberg. <laughs> so what motivated you to transition from, let's say, 
wanting to be a filmmaker to becoming a medical doctor? Oh, okay. That bit's easier. Uh, my family has always been in healthcare or healthcare-related businesses. Um, you know, when I was at school, I went through the 80s, Star Wars, you know, the first ever um, Indiana Jones, you know, some some big things came out that sort of challenged imagination and mind, and it was fascinating. But in Australia, there is certainly no film industry, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father uh, uh, was an economist, and uh, he was very much into life science industries, and he wanted a proper job for his sons. So the creative or the arts sort of, it's not that he didn't foster me to go that way. You know, he knows I dabbled in it, but I think he's a lot happier that I went back into a more classical education with a more classical kind of job. Um, It's just, I suppose I've been around life sciences my whole life. When I was a kid, uh, uh, whilst we lived in Sydney, Australia, my father probably spent a good part of six months of the year working in America. So I had, as I went through school, a lot of holidays with my brother uh, uh, in America to see my father. And it's, I suppose, we were groomed into it, whether it was intentional or not. That's just it's just where we landed. Yes. But nowadays, we can do our own videos at home we can mm-hmm. but yeah I, I you know I, I'm, I'm 54 it was my birthday uh on on Tuesday and I'm talking about a time when I was 14 15 16 and yeah you're 100% right technology in what four decades has just boom 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 yeah Dr. Sean your work is focused on chronic diseases and pharmaceutical management. For that and nutraceuticals, you might call them vitamins, minerals, supplements. We do that because, where do I start? I mean, such a big topic. So look, I I think the thing to take away is with chronic diseases, uh, and so when I say chronic diseases, I'm going to talk things like cardiovascular disease, I'm going to talk diabetes, type 2 diabetes more so than type 1. I'm going to talk about obesity, Uh, I'm going to talk about mental health issues. Um, I'm going to talk about pain, right? They're probably the big four, five. That It doesn't matter whether I'm here in Australia, if I'm working in the US uh, or working in the UK, France or Italy, they sort of top the national health priority lists, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is because there's no cure for these. The other reason they do it is because whether we like it or not, We invented them, right? And in saying that, if you want to go back to day dot, they're all preventable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, nutrition serves us as an agent to prevent because our foods are depleted, our water is fluorided, we have a sedentary lifestyle. Um, you know, as human beings, we have this, this tenacity to go from zero to hero in, in seconds. So you're either full on or you're nothing, right? And unfortunately, we've been educated to approach life like this. We've forgotten what the word homeostasis means, balance, right? And in that, sure, we're going to get new diseases. We're going to get new illnesses and so forth. When we talk chronic diseases, we have a group of people that we can't pull back. It's now about managing the disease, full stop, period, right? And then there's another group of people on the other side of the spectrum that are very early into it that we can adjust, we can pull them back, and they're always going to have a high risk factor moving forward that damage has been done, but super easy to manage. We can make lifestyle corrections in that, right? And we just got to monitor them. And in that case, it could be every three months, it could be every six months, it could be every 12 months, right? Uh, The problem we get is we don't take care of ourselves. You know, the McDonald's Happy Meal is is still a really good thing, right? And today, where where people are doing it tough and inflation's really high and you're not getting as much for your money, 
those fast food restaurants that package up the $20 family meals start to make economical sense to a lot of people. So they save on one side, that immediate gratification, but they're not saving on the other. So chronic diseases is something that really focused in. Uh, I specialize in the area of mental health and pain, especially pain in oncology patients. And the reason for that is quite simply, I lost my brother to cancer and not a thing I could do about it. Um, but the pain and the suffering he went through in those final months was ridiculous, you know, and when it's so upfront and it's so personal, you start to take a different look at things, you know. Um, so I like the area of chronic disease. I think we all need help. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you're if you're Caucasian or if you're a person of color. It doesn't care if you're male or female. You're rich or poor, young or old. Yeah. Right. We have so we have so ingrained choices in our lifestyle that it's coming for all of us. And what is your opinion in the role of genetics on chronic diseases? Yeah, I, I think genetics is an interesting one because it does allow people to sort of move through things a bit easier than others. But when we get into areas like mental health, um I think that doesn't discriminate. Um, when we get into areas of pain, uh, I don't think that discriminates. When we get into areas of of diabetes, well, you know, that's where your genetics kick in and that's type 1 diabetes. You're born with it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are seeing now so many more people who require medication for type 2 diabetes. And again, because it's mismanaged, um, and, and let's face it, type 2 diabetic patients are probably the most non-compliant patients you're ever going to meet, right? Different yeah. story. But then they're now moving into injectable insulin, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, even our definitions on what these things are and how it affects one generation to the next is starting to change as we learn more. But, you know, if there is a, if there is a congenial defect, if there's a heart defect, if there's a liver defect, you know, then there is every chance in the world that genetics will play a role in that in 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 your kin and they will suffer equal fate. Mm -hmm. The point is, though, is we've got smart medical technology. You've got a lot of educated doctors out there and what they have at their disposal is so much different to what they had, you know, five, six years ago. So there, there's more and more reason why a person should go talk to their doctor and say, hey, listen, you know, let's just check out my heart. Let's just check out my liver or have that conversation with someone that says, hey, listen, I'm having some really dark thoughts and I'm not coping. So we have to that, we have a national day here in Australia. And I don't think it's unique to Australia, but I haven't seen it in Europe, which is called Are You OK Day? Mm -hmm. right? It's a national day. It's, it's sponsored under the Federal Health Department and it's a day where all Australians, and I don't know why it's just a day, you'd kind of figure it should be all the time, but a lot of education around and so forth, but it's a day where all Australians stop to sort of check in on people that you kind of should have checked in on regularly, right? We all have that friend that's not doing too well most people turn a blind eye and say, you know, you'll be all right, mate. I'll just leave you to sort your stuff out. The height of the idea be behind are you okay today is just ring them and say, mate, are you okay? Right? You, you, we've got a lot of elderly, you know, not quite like Europe, but we've got a lot of elderly here. And maybe we don't speak to, you know, our mothers, our fathers, grandparents as much as what we're used to. But the idea behind it is to unite the community just to check in on one another and get them talking. And then the funny thing, when you deal with mental health issues, mm -hmm. right, asking a person if they're okay or if you can help them or even touching them in a soothing and emotional manner usually makes them feel better, even for a small period of time. Yes. And after COVID, they <laughs> were so isolated. We need... You know, after COVID, it was so funny because I said, I'm going to hug everybody <laughs> in the street. But We I still have lots of people wearing masks in public. Really? It's not mandated. 
And I got to be honest, I I'm not a fan of wearing masks in public. It's not what they were designed for. Um, but still today, we have people that have been programmed, been been uh, assuaged, or have or are so fearful that even in public today, still wear masks. Here is you don't see people wearing masks, not even in the hospitals anymore. Oh, no, you can't go into a hospital without wearing a mask here. And Dr. Sean, could you elaborate on your approach to integrating nutrition and dietary factors uh, into, your, yes, into your research? On I, I get into a little bit of trouble on this one because you find in healthcare there's a divide of natural versus synthetic. And I'm going to be honest, quite frankly, I don't care. I'd need it to do a job. And if it does the job, great, right? So if we have to treat, and I mean aggressively treat, there is no natural product in the world that's going to do it. Because by virtue of being aggressive, we don't have time on our side, right? But once the patient's under control, we've got to then put them onto some maintenance program. And that maintenance program may have a pharmaceutical component, but where possible, we try to put them onto a nutraceutical component and teach them to adjust their lifestyle. From a nutraceutical perspective, I do take them. I'm a big, big, big proponent of vitamin D3. You know, um, huge proponent of that. Even during COVID, I'm a huge proponent of vitamin C, but I actually prefer vitamin C injected because the body has limitations on how much it can absorb at any dose, right? So, you know, we work with, with nurses and nurse practitioners here to do 10 to 20 gram uh, IV uh, vitamin C, right? And on patients with cold, flu, suppressed immune system, you know, you do see some wonderful results. Uh, I like my L-carnitine because, hey, I'm of that age, where I can't afford to spare muscle, I have to grow muscle. Plus, I love food too much, and it really doesn't love me. Anything I can help to to uh, uh, assimilate fats and and energize me to go to the gym, it's good. Um, and I like fish oils. I'm a big proponent on omega threes and omega sixes, mm -hmm. and that is for joint health. It is for uh, 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 cardio health as well mm -hmm. and that's probably my everyday beyond that um, one of the things I am well noted for is my work on the human microbiome so bacterium yeah gut health and so forth that's real complex I don't have a favorite in that category um, and I'm very picky and choosy when it comes to probiotics because uh, I've been to too many different manufacturers to see how they're made I've done heaps of research on it. I'm very well published in that area. Um, but there are certain probiotics that are really good. I just don't do them every day. I don't think you need to do them every day, but there are situations where the ecology of the gut is, is off kilter. You know, so you've got bloating, you've got flatulence uh, uh, and all that ugly stuff. And that's a sign that, again, that homeostasis is lost. You've gone too far back this way, so you want to repair it. Depending on how far you've gone this way, then the conversation is, do we aggressively repair and then soothe and maintain, or can we bring them back gradually? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was taking pro probiotics every day, but then I, I decided to start taking only kefir. Oh, really? The yeah, kefir? I can see good results with kefir. I think my concern with probiotics and when I look at, you know, kombucha tea and kefir and things like that is I want to know what I am taking mm. and you don't know when you grow, right? Um, you know, because depending on where you've got issues in, in the gut depends on whether you need more uh, bifidobacteria bifidum Right. As you age, you certainly need more of that, right? Yeah. Um, or you need more of a streptococci or you need more of a lactobacillus and so forth. So being able to tailor to the fact that, you know, I've got 
pain or I've got swelling or uh, I've got bloating in the upper GI versus I've got a lot of flatulence and I've got loose stool movement and so forth allows you to sort of address, you know, those areas with a bit more precision. Um, so I would, I, I kind of tend to specifically create. What I do find really difficult is there is no supplier out there that does individual yeah. bacterium, which allows you to tailor, you know, most uh, into I've got 3 million of this and I've got 50 billion of that and they've got these huge numbers and they've got 12 different things in the thing and people think it's good. And my argument is is there's no research that says you actually need that, but if you want to waste your money, go for your life. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. And it's like one size fits. That's not good all. No. Exactly. And you are working on conceptual products that currently are under wraps. Can you provide a glimpse into the type of innovation that you are? So if I follow on with this, the the, uh, the probiotic story, we uh, worked on uh, uh, a group of, uh, of bacterium and we put that put it together with a salt, a very specific salt. And we tested it in oh yeah, it's done one, two. It's done two human trials now. Mm-hmm. The last one was 130 patients. And that was for people suffering major depressive disorders. And so we were giving very specific probiotic, very, very, very specific uh, ratios of this bacteria to that bacteria. And it was bound to a very specific salt. So it was a very precision formula. But basically, we had uh, confirmation that if they took this probiotic mix um, alongside their antidepressants, so in this particular case, they were SSRIs, we could restore normality under validated questionnaires in eight weeks versus the SSRI alone, which could not, which was a major step forward. Um, I don't know what we do with it. Um, you know, people want to put it out as a nutraceutical, but in nutraceuticals, you can't make claims and talk about depression. That's just not allowed yeah. in Europe, in the US, in Canada. Here, that's a big no-no. Um, and the framework to take it to a full pharmaceutical because of the fact that it's got three or four bacterium, probiotic bacterium in there is probably cost disadvantage at the end of the day to the patient because it's a full biological workup. You know, it would be 10 years before it came to market. Yeah. That's one. But it does show that there is there is a, a cause and effect, measurable cause and effect with this bacterium if you understand how they work. And it's not, I bought this, this particular bacterium and I'm going to put it in 20 formulations. It's not what the bacterium is. It's more the combination of them. And I, I, I take this back to at school. You might remember we were taught about uh, Darwinism, survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. So people forget these bacterium are not inert, right? And we are nothing but a host for heaps of bacteria, right? And, you know, if, if anything else, we're a symbiotic species, right? And these bacteria thrive or they want to thrive, right? But we have to provide an environment for them to do that. So it comes down to when you think of Darwinism, right? Different bacteria are going to survive at different rates. And if you just chuck them all in a bottle, right? That little bit of exposure to heat or that gastrointestinal environment, Right. Unless you know how they're going to play together, you could render the formulation pretty well useless. Yeah. Um, that's just nutshelling. The other one, the other one is is I've got a big interest in opioids. Um everyone says opioids is bad, but 
you know, let me assure you that there is a time and a place for them, right? And at this point in time, we don't have a lot better than opioids. And I say this, and I say it very carefully because we are looking for opioid substitutes and we were playing with cannabis, but a very high octane version of cannabis that we compounded in a lab that then we made into nanoparticles. So it was super quick for the body to absorb it. And the reason we're looking for that is the world does want alternatives to, to opioids, but, you know, post-surgery, you're not giving a person a Panadol, you're not going to tell them to take curcumin, right, and you're not going to tell them to breathe through it, right? There's no Lamar's class for open-heart surgery. Yeah. You know, you can have them on some pretty heavy painkillers. And the reason for that is because you want to increase every possibility uh, of instilling comfort to the patient, instilling confidence to the patient, and increasing their their uh, uh, um, um, uh, time to heal. But we all know, we've all seen the press articles, we've all watched TV, opioids have a really, really, really dangerous side, right? And again, we blame the opioids when, in fact, we should be blaming ourselves. We allowed access to become easy, right? We allowed ourselves to fall into the grip of it, right? The opioid itself didn't sort of say, hey, you know, take me, right? It's easy to blame the drug or the drug manufacturer, right? But at the end of the day, it was out in the street and access was made super easy. <clears throat> in the hands of a professional who knows what they're doing, and there are pain specialists, right, who who are more and more involved today uh, in the use of opioids. They know how to put a person on, the danger signs to look for, and more importantly, how to take them off. That reduces any uh, uh, risk of abuse. But the overriding overriding condition to it all is you, me, and the people taking it. If we want to abuse, we will abuse it. I've been interviewing some guests who lost people from their family because of opioid addiction. Mm. And what I could understand is that we lack a program, a project where we could follow up these people after they leave the hospital and to check how are they using it, how they are going to get the medication removed because we all know that even medications like corticoids we cannot just yep. stop taking it no, that's right there are solutions to it right and the problem we have now and again it's the same story in chronic disease you have one side of the spectrum where uh, you're getting people early and you can get very good recovery. You can aid them. You can work with them. But there's that other side that are just too far gone. And we've all seen highlights from American uh, uh, cities where the opioid epidemic is just absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it's to the point that I don't know what they do to claw back, but so many people's lives have been laid to waste because there is no hope for them, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Somewhere along the line, you know, people have to think about access to the drug, right? How did it get away from the hands of professionals, right, who are taught to use it in the intended manner? But then on the same token, if you have a heroin trade and if you have a cocaine trade and you have a meth trade, it's not far reached to think, well, it's very easy to have an illicit opioid trade. Yeah. But... People choose to sell it. People choose to promote it. People choose to take it. It doesn't matter what the drug is, right? The elements are the same. Yeah, unfortunately. Do you have anything, any good news for people who have autoimmune diseases? Because I will tell you this. After giving birth 25 years ago, I discovered that I have Hashimoto's disease which is an, yeah, it's an autoimmune disease condition. And this was quite unexpected since no one else, no, no one else in my family had it. 
And interestingly, uh, we've always maintained a healthy diet at home. And as a result, I had to get my thyroid removed. And now I take synthetic hormones to replace it. And I know that it is forever. But what I can see is that like every year, I find someone else that tells me, I have Hashimoto disease. I said, I'm going to start a community. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly of them are women. So do you see any possibility to avoid or even for us to have a better control of autoimmune disease? So... Autoimmune diseases are a really big topic. Hashis is just a part of it. Um, It's funny, when we look at chronic diseases, unregulated, they all have the aspect of an uncontrolled autoimmune dysfunction, right? Doesn't mean they're going to become Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. When we look at cancer and we look at uh, how... So in the body, cells naturally die, right? You you understand that? As we live and walk and breathe, the natural process is our cells turn over, right? So it means they go through a cycle, they die, new cells are, 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 are brought to life. The cells that have died uh, are tagged and then they're excreted from the body, right? And that mechanism we call apoptosis. So when that goes nasty, right, Uh, and we have circulating cells that should be expunged from the body and they're not, they usually get lodged into, what the belief is, is they usually get lodged into peripheral tissue. So as your white blood cells are running around the place, it's going, what's that? Uh, It's okay, I've only seen that once. Comes back and goes, Jesus, it's like a cop going down the street, still parked there. Right, third time is I'm going to knock on its door. Right, bang! Now we have autoimmune disease. But what we see uh, associated with autoimmune disease is a pro-inflammatory state of the body. Upregulated inflammation goes hand in hand. So there's a lot of guys I know who are working on how they can quell, for want of a better word, that 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 pro-inflammatory cycle, that cytokine cytokine uh, 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 flame, some of them call it, or storm, some of them call it. And I think from that, they will at the least buy more time in order to find a mechanism to wind back autoimmune disease, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd I'd love to be able to say, hey, we have a cure for this one, but... Yeah, maybe in the future. You are a futurist, doctor. I am, I am, I am. But autoimmune disease is leading the charge. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, doctor, in your journey as a research medical doctor, what discover, let's say discover, have you been a part of that you believe holds significant promise for improving the lives of those dealing with chronic diseases and even mental health challenges? So this one's a little bit more abstract. For years, um, my team and I have been working on delivery platforms. Mm-hmm. So it's it's how we administer medicine. Um, and we worked on a delivery platform that allows us to get away from conventional thinking where more is better to actually give less. But in order to do that, we have to administer it to a person a different way. So one of the things we did is we developed uh, a delivery platform that allows us to do microscopic amounts of the medicine that give us a quicker uh, uh, absorption rate in the body. It allows us to take anywhere from 90% to 20% less of the current medication, which reduces side effects and gut complaints to a patient. So this works by mouth. Uh, And we still get very, very similar efficacy in the patient. As a, as a future, as one of the things uh, I'm concerned about, one of the things my team's concerned about is we're running out of medicines, right? Um, world governments knew five, six, seven years ago that we that the, the premise of 
a super bug uh, was was real and it was probable and we were running out of antibiotics. So this was about a bug and antibiotics, not a virus, right? And there was no research. There wasn't enough research done on next-gen antibiotics. We could argue very similar for antiviral. Boom, COVID came along and the first thing we learned was we have a super bug or super virus that we've got nothing in our arsenal for. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm not saying, and I'm not going to go that way, that the the mRNA vaccines are the answer to it. That's a very different conversation for a different day. Yeah. But the lesson we should have learned is, whilst governments prepare for war and they do all that sort of stuff, right? From a biological point of view, right? We get hit again. We've still got nothing. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways to to improve our odds is to go have a look at what we've got and look at other ways to administer that medicine, improvements to that medicine, which then opens up other claims. You, you're following where I'm going? So you do a medicine, you get it approved, and it's this medicine uh, from the European Medicines Agency uh, will cure, let's say, I don't know, sore tennis elbow, right? But there could be something else in there that other doctors are using it. They're just not using it the right way for, and it could be for sore knee. I know I'm being super, super simple, right? And slight change in the formulation opens that medicine up to a whole new world of possibilities. So, you know, where you had a medicine that was really strict and it was, you know, maybe for your elbow, suddenly, you know, it can be used elsewhere in the body as well. And I think when you look at medicines, there's a lot of opportunities like that. And certainly we've got actually that better example, Osmopeak. Do you know this medicine? Yeah, I heard about this. People are using it for losing weight, but in reality is for diabetes. <laughs> Correct. It wasn't designed for losing weight. So now it's a weight loss drug. Um, when I think about it, I can say Viagra as well. Viagra, believe it or not, was made for cardiovascular disease. Problem is, is it gave everyone a very obvious side effect. Hence why they marketed the drug. But we have examples of this in, in, in healthcare all over the place. So if we're not innovating new medicines, then we need to go back and have a look at what we've got and can it be repurposed into something else, right? And in some cases, uh, safety becomes a real, real problem in doing that uh, or the dose requirement to a patient really does change. Every time we swallow something, whether it's a, it's a vitamin, whether it's a medicine, whether it is food, what happens here all the way down to your gut is going to destroy up to 90% of what it was you put in your mouth. So if you stop and think about this for a second, if, if I give you a pill and that pill has 100 milligrams of some magical substance that's going to do something for you, by the time you absorb it, providing your liver is perfect and your gut is perfect, you might get 10% of what I gave you. Understanding human physiology as we try repurpose medicine starts to come into play on how you can squeeze a lot more out of them than what you know we currently have had. Mm. So yeah, the last the last 10 years has been around delivery platforms that open up a plethora of medicines that potentially could be repurposed that are safer so we don't have that type of a, a toxicity or safety profile we once had on them that work quicker, that bypass this. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. And do you see any benefits in taking collagen? I went to my dermatologist and she said, Lucia, you should take collagen. What is your opinion about it? You're going to be very upset with me. I don't believe you should take collagen by mouth. I think what, what you're paying for and what you're absorbing, I'd rather you go out and have a really nice bottle of wine and a nice, nice <laughs> meal. 
good collagen to be absorbed by the gut is super, super, super expensive. Unless you, unless, and I'm when I say super expensive, I'm talking ridiculously expensive. Do you know you buy? Well, I shouldn't say you know you're buying good collagen because of the price. A lot of people will hike up the price and put crap collagen in there, but it's kind of. Let's say there's different grades that you can buy that you can use in a product, right? And I know marketers bang on their collagen is optimized and all this sort of stuff, right? But at the end of the day, there is certain chemistry behind it and that chemistry is going to give away whether it's capable or it's not, you know, and... um like I said, the good collagen that has a very specific Dalton weight, that's a chemistry term uh, uh, for the product. Um, some of the cosmetic houses buy it and you wonder why your cosmetics are so expensive. Mm. Cost is the collagen. Okay. You know, so, yeah, but then on the same token, you know, there, there are other ways that you can achieve the same outcome mm. depending what the laws are, uh, are where you are. You know, maybe there are doctors that will do uh, um, intravenous treatments with with peptides and things like that that will give you that anti-aging effect that you're after, right? I know governments get really wonky on that, but I look, I'm a believer in, in peptides if it's handled correctly. Uh, and I think as we grow older, but we fight to be younger, right? And we all have a bit of that Peter Pan complex, you know, I might be 54, but I'm running around like a 12-year-old at the best of times. Um, you know, there, there, there's a role that these biologics can play and if administered correctly and with care, can be safe. Let's delve into a topic that many of us have a fondness for. Coffee. Oh, right. The other family business. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. And considering your family is involved with it, in coffee import and export business, as you said, do you perceive any potential links between coffee consumption and health, particularly in connection to chronic illness? Um, yeah, I do, actually. One of the things that I like about coffee is I think we've got it wrong. There's a lot of health benefits in coffee. Um I think it's had a bad rap. Look, yes, it can make people jittery, right? But again, we go back to that word I keep using, that balance, homeostasis. Yeah. But we've now got the European Cardiology Society mandating two, three cups of ground coffee, or sorry, beans extracted ground coffee every day as part of healthy heart behavior. That's in reference to cardiovascular disease. So there's your chronic illness. The Harvard study was a longevity study that looked at, at, at the use of coffee and found it really had more health benefits than it had risks. And even they said three to four cups a day. And that's probably American coffee and American coffee is crap, right? You know, just you can probably have six or seven before it does anything there. But, you know, you've got Ivy League schools, you've got cardiology societies saying we've got this backwards and you have. There's enough good literature out there to show linkage between coffee intake and reduction of type 2 diabetes, reduction of cardiovascular risk, reduction of weight, right, uh, um, and improvements in mental health. On the same token, there are journals out there that says people can blow their heads off, but when you get into it, you know, it's people drinking coffee by the litre. That's not what it's about. Yeah. So my, my thing to you, and it's one of the reasons we're into it, there is a real health benefit to it. It's it's a great product. It's a it's a natural product, but it's uh, and it's a simple product to talk about. It's something that everyone understands, you know. Um, so no, we we really like it. I do write a little bit about coffee. I recently did one about. Uh, 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 it was actually it was just a. a a briefing document from the Cardiology Society in Europe and also from the Harvard study, just reminding people that we've got this backwards. You know, it's it's just not this cup of coffee you have in the morning. Please stop drinking instant coffee. Drink fresh ground. This was the best thing I could hear 
today, doctor. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good one. Right? We all love our coffee. Yeah. And the only other thing I've got to say to people about coffee is please put stop putting all that cream and caramel and sugar and stuff like that in there. You put that crap into, pardon my expression, into coffee, you're not going to lower cardiac risk. You're not going to lower diabetes. You're not going to lower weight because you're just putting these empty, needless, ugly calories on something that is intended to do quite the opposite. Yeah. We encountered diverse opinions about coffee, you know, like with some some praising its remarkable benefits, while others just caution against potential high blood pressure, addiction, and even anxiety. But what you said is, it's common sense. And can you tell us about this business? It is It is a family business. I know it's it's really different to be new, but my family's always had uh, a, a business that's been involved in that's outside of direct healthcare. Um, so the business is called Sala Cafe. Sala is my surname in Italian. Um, we represent uh, two brands out of Italy, uh, one from the Amalfi Coast and one from uh, Bari on the Adriatic. So, you know, not bad places to go visit. In fact, I, that's that's why I'm going back to Europe. I'm uh, lecturing for uh, our food week in Rome and then I'm seeing our coffee supplies. But, yeah, so the business is called Sala Cafe Co., uh we love the brands we're working with you know they are family brands in italy they have family values uh one is very old school the other is a little bit more hip and groovy mm -hmm. um good flavor profile uh it allows me to practice my italian which by the way stinks <laughs> um but yeah but we we have a lot of fun with it you know and we sell to restaurants, to cafes, to family, to friends, to consumers. We're doing some grocery work at the moment. Um, we'll see where it goes. But as a futurist, I also believe that the currency of tomorrow is going to be real food, mm -hmm. not this synthetic stuff, not junk food, right? It's not going to be US dollars or it's going to be euro or Australian dollars. It's going to be food, real food. Yeah, I think people are more conscious about it nowadays. What do you think about it? Mm, I think they are. I think they are. Um, I think they're, 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 it's, it's hard. We've come out of all that COVID rut, right? And we are all trying to move on with our lives and put that COVID thing behind us. And now we have this global, I want to use, I don't want to use the word, but I think it fits, recession, right? Yeah. We have countries bickering and fighting. I mean, the world's a mess, right? And people are feeling it in their hip pockets. I got friends of mine in the UK and they're really doing it tough, right? And they shouldn't be. So I think when things when things get tough, right? People vote with their money. So you know, if if you can buy a six dollar coffee for two dollars, you're going to buy the two dollar coffee, right? If you can feed a family for twenty dollars as opposed to forty dollars of groceries and then an hour to cook dinner for everyone and clean up. And I think it's unfortunate because, like I said before, these these short term wins have a longer-term consequence. Yeah, I don't understand why real food is as expensive as what it is and why junk food is as cheap as what it is, right? Again, that balance <laughs> out the window. Dr. Sean, is there a message you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, certainly. I want everyone, if they would humor me, to stop and think back over their lives, right? We, everything we've done in the past has got us to where we are. And some people are very happy about that and some people have regret. You can change what you do tomorrow. Now, whether it's chronic diseases, right, and, and living a lifestyle that's that's junk food and stress that's going to make some of these diseases more, more so the case, or whether it's I want to be a little bit more active. I want to be a, 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 a player 
in my own life and it's a little bit of gym and it's a bit of dietary change and it's spending more time with those people close to you. I would challenge people that uh, my big concern is through this whole COVID thing, we lost a bit of our soul. We forgot what it was like to be personable and to be humane. And one of the things I find, especially when I talk in America, is we're letting other people tell us what to do, how to do it, what to eat, what to wear, and so forth. This is not a political thing. This is more about you standing up and taking charge for your life, especially when it comes to your health, right? Doctors, chiropractors, naturopaths, pharmacists, nurses, dietitians, nutritionists, we can do amazing things, but we can't do it unless you're an active player. So if nothing else, tonight, my time has been a lot of fun. Um, I would champion you that when you start tomorrow and you start afresh and it is a new day, I would ask that you step up and become very active in your life, very active in your children's life. Check on your mum and dad. Get active in their life. And we learn as a community how to support one another again. My fear was during COVID, we all disaligned. We all became insular. We all forgot fundamental laws of being civil to one another. It's time to get all that back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. I would like to know where can our listeners find you online? I personally don't have a website, um, but I'm more than happy for you to give my personal email out. I gave it to you before. Mm -hmm. Should your listeners have any questions, uh, I'm happy to answer them. What I, what I won't do is I won't do medical diagnosis. Uh, um, just I'll make that clear, but... You know, if they want to drop me a line, more than more than happy to. Wonderful. And for our listeners, I want to tell you that Dr. Sean will be on our next issue of the Relatable Voice magazine. So he will be telling us a little bit more about health and you'll be able to see his contact there. Thank you. Guys, take care. Enjoy summer. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.